Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today, myself and Simon discussed VAR and the standard of officials after Wolves were denied a late penalty at Old Trafford. Is there a need for greater transparency in VAR decisions? Plus, why are players turning down the mighty Liverpool? Has their lure diminished? And as Chelsea edged towards a billion pound spend under Todd Bowley, how are they getting round FFP? Football finance expert Stefan Borson challenges Simon. I woke up to a text message, I'll read you it this morning. This fella's in Vancouver. Who is he? He's Sir Rod Stewart. Yeah. Morning, Jim. I'm in Vancouver. I've just watched Wolves being robbed of a penalty against Manchester United after what was a blatant foul by Onana. You know, he's on tour. He's in Vancouver, <laughs> but he still yeah. watched Manchester United against Wolves. Jim, this was heartbreaking for Wolves fans everywhere. I thought they deserved at least a point. What do you and Simon think? My question is this. When will we get transparency from the referees and uh, VAR officials just they, as they have in the world of rugby. Sir Rod's right. You get explanations in rugby. You don't hear. Yeah. I mean, can you can you explain incompetence in real time? Because in, it, in, in with all due respect to the referees, and I think the refereeing fraternity know that we're pretty much in their camp a lot of the time, trying to advocate for them, trying to look for a culture of respect, whether it's from the grassroots up to the uh, actual statistics that come out of VAR about the, minute, the amount of decisions they get right when you've got people like Danny Murphy that are dyed in the wall naysayers. <laughs> but when you're in a situation where you cannot explain a, a, a level of understanding from the on-field referee that is then compounded by somebody that's in isolation and is able to see it in, in in slow motion on a number of different ways over a period of a you know a, a very significant period of time, unlike the referee who gets that second to be able to an, analyse it. I listened to Keith Hackett this morning on Ali and Andy's show this morning yes, talking about yeah. the abdication of responsibility yeah. and the fact that referees are becoming lazier. And I don't mean physically lazier, I mean mentally lazier in their preparedness to own their own decisions. Right. And and I think there's something in that. I think that when you've got a fullback position, if the only safety net in your life, in your own life, is your own backside, then you tend to be owning your own decisions. When you start to get into the territory where you know you've got a fullback and you're relying on that fullback, then you have to look at the fullback position and say, okay, let's give the referee on the field a modicum of a pass. 
but it's really difficult to argue why the VAR guys, we know that there's a, an approach no, towards goalkeeping. Right. We right. know that there's a different dynamic towards goalkeepers. They can do certain things. They can't be touched in the way that outfield players can. Yeah. But this is re relatively ridiculous. It's a penalty. All the pros are saying it's a penalty. Mm. I think most of the refereeing fraternity are saying a penalty. And now the PGMOL are saying it's a mistake. But you've got to look at the compensation. I think Webb will get under the bonnet. The accusation this morning from from Keith Hackett was that, oh, you need to get under the bonnet. I think he'll get under the bonnet. Well, I, I, I'm glad that you think that because he has to. I mean, there's nothing else for it. Uh, Gary O'Neill, Gary uh, the, uh, the Wolves boss, spoke about this uh, after the match last night. You mentioned Danny Murphy, our own Danny Murphy. This was his view on that moment when surely it was a penalty Wolves. Well, it's called incompetence. I can't hide behind it. Look, I'm, I, I try and be positive. I try and be open-minded. I'm trying with the the officials but when you see that I mean Everton fans will be, be disappointed devastated after Saturday that, that was a ridiculous one this is as I, I mean you, you do not get a more obvious penalty than that I, I get that the referee might have missed it of course there's lots of bodies in the box but for for him to not be recommended to go and have, have a look at that and even told that it was a pen but recommend come and have a look at this is just beyond belief. And Salisbury in the VAR box has got to be out, he's got to be questioned because that's incompetence of the highest level. Just spoken to Jonathan Moss and fair play to him to come straight out and he just apologised and said it was a blatant penalty and should have been given. So um, fair play to Jonathan to, for coming out saying that it was a clear and obvious error and he can't believe that the on-field ref didn't give it, can't believe that VAR didn't intervene. Probably made me feel worse, actually, because once you know you're right, feel worse about leaving with nothing. So it's as simple as this, Simon. One week in, and we began with an apology from the PGMOL over a VAR decision, which cost mm. Wolves. I mean, who's to say they, were, they might not have scored the penalty, but at least they would have been yeah, given yeah. a penalty. Yeah. I mean, how do you achieve progress past sorry this season? Sorry's not good enough. Well, sorry, sorry is the hardest word. Sorry is always the first um, step that you take in being able to reconcile in other people's minds that you're prepared to embrace the problem. Because if you don't say sorry, then you're not embracing the problem. Right. The second thing is about the competency and training and the belief system in the referees. Of course, we're going to now deflate. What people are going to say is, once you stop mucking about with adding time on and start dealing with the basic principles of the way that the game is being adjudicated. And that's a, that's a false narrative. That's a wrong corridor to go down. The two things are not indexed. The players need to behave themselves. Timing wasting needs to be dealt with and competency needs to be questioned I mean Keith Hackett was going off in a direction about the fitness of the referee the fact that he wasn't as fit as he thought he should be he was fitter this year than last year Simon Hooper and so on and so forth the bottom line is is that we've got to understand at some point as far as we're entitled to but every other part of the game is scrutinised so I've been a major advocate of referees being front and centre ironically in this podcast that I do um, uh, called Upfront I'm doing Mike Dean on Tuesday okay. specifically about the subject matter of referees so nice you know you can, we, we can get a good plug there yeah. But we can get underneath that and understand why referees work because no one really understands referees no one understands how they work what they do what yeah. their thought process is what kind of individuals they are all they understand is a public representation but Simon keep it simple this morning you and I and everybody listening should be able to hear the referee VAR audio from last night yeah, this I'm, is I, how they came to this decision the, the, the problem that I have with that insofar as I have a problem if the consensus of opinion comes to the point that actually it's to benefit to the game then I'm not going to stand in front of it like King Canute I do push back against the culture of football it's to the benefit of the game well I push back against the culture of football because the culture of football is not the same as rugby it doesn't have the same respect parameter it doesn't sit there but waiting for the official 
Well, we were asking, you know, we've got Baron, we've, got, we've had Baronesses come out last year and say society needs to operate in a different way and football fans need to go around being nice to one another. Saying it doesn't make it so. We've got a culture where abuse is at the centre of it. Referees and football players and managers, anything they do is used as a weapon by the fans to be abusive towards them at times, whether it's light-hearted or it's significant. That doesn't mean that that shouldn't be the next step. But mm. we have to factor that into our thinking when referees are communicating with the VAR truck or whatever else and decisions are being made, you know and I know you're going to have a cauldron of a stadium screaming abuse at referees, screaming abuse at the decision-making process. So it's not a straight line of saying, what will happen now is we'll get transparency, we'll hear people adjudicating and we'll hear the conversation and then we'll hear the jeering crowd giving their opinion on that two-way conversation. No, but transparency will help us understand how they came to the decision no, they came to. No, look competency. Of, look, Com conspiracy theorists everywhere this month. There's Danny the Villa fan. Danny, good morning to you. Jim, let's call it for what it is. If it was the other end of the field, 100%, it's a penalty for Manchester United. The referee VAR team bought Transparency is trumped by competency. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, we've spoken about that decision uh, that seemingly robbed Wolves last night of a penalty kick in the dying moments of the match at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Manchester United went on to win it by a single goal to nil one week in, and we've begun with an apology from the PGMOL over this VAR decision. How on earth could they get it wrong? Well, maybe they're in a huddle this morning asking themselves because the three officials who controversially chose not to award that penalty uh, in the match between United and Wolves have not not been selected for this weekend's round of Premier League matches. Referee Simon Hooper, VAR official Michael Salisbury and his assistant Richard West will not get a game. They sit it out. Is there much point in that? Well, I would have thought that was standard form, wouldn't you? Because ultimately they've, they've had to come out and apologise on their behalf. And I think that's the normal course of events. Isn't it? I mean, ultimately someone performs in a way that requires the PGMOL to come out and say that they're not comfortable with the, with the outcome and having to apologise for them. I'm not surprised they've stood them down. Mm. Whether that's the right thing to do, because if you believe in someone's competency and you put them in a position in the first place, then it's very much like a player, isn't it? A player makes a mistake, does it help him by dropping him the next game? Because a manager would say, you've got to retain confidence, you've got to give belief, you've That's got to enhance point. the value of the player by giving you, him a belief. Do you think that, Simon? Should, be, should they be thrown into the next one regardless? Um, I, I think you can't win on either argument. If you don't, there'll be one faction that says, how dare these referees be given another game straight afterwards, there has to be a consequence. There's another faction that would say people make mistakes and that they need to be able to develop the uh, the, the fortitude to make not make these mistakes in the future. Yeah. Wh whichever way you look at it, you can slice and dice it either way. Yeah. I would probably be inclined to understand how they've made that mistake and then make my adjudication based upon defending and supporting them whilst not condoning their mistakes. But it would all, it would all be based upon interviewing the officials to understand how in God's name we managed to deduce that conclusion. Yeah, exactly. So, referee Simon Hooper, VAR official Michael Salisbury and his assistant Richard West, they don't get a game this weekend. They are sitting in the naughty chair. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. The world of transfers. We've seen what's unfolded last night and into this morning. Uh, Liverpool wanted Caicedo from Brighton. They didn't get him. Chelsea got him, paid a fortune for him. Liverpool wanted Romeo Lavia from Southampton, didn't get him. Chelsea are going to get him. Mm. Liverpool wanted the boy. And Carragher uh, on Liverpool's transfer business, Jimmy Carragher, saying it's a joke, it's embarrassing. And when when it came to Romeo Lavia, um, he said they put in a bid for Lavia for 60 million, even when they refused to pay 50 million four or five days ago. He says it's been an absolute mess. So they, they, no matter how high the bid was and how much they increased it, Lavia was always going to choose Chelsea. So what's happening? So what's what's Jamie's like, point? Well, what, the, the, he says the, their business is all over the shop, that their strategy is all over the shop. The bottom line is this. Why are players deciding that Liverpool, well, for all its heritage that's the bigger question. and trophies, but that, that's the bigger are question being that Jamie, that's, not, that's the bigger question that Jamie's not addressing. It's all well and good throwing around you know, uh, superlatives about what people aren't doing and criticising and going to the point of the fact that it's a mess. What would you have them do differently? You, you, Liverpool are no longer an island, and none of these football clubs are. They are, they, they you know, the, the top six clubs of which Chelsea often feature amongst, and certainly in performance terms over the last 20 years, have definitely featured, um, are in the conversation, in the equation. So what would you have, have, have them do differently? They went in for a player. The player has chosen to go to Chelsea. The question has to abound... Why is that? Mm. Okay, is the Klopp factor diminished? Because you would have expected a player to be massively impressed by Klopp. So if you price Klopp into the equation, because if you're going to throw these superlatives around or these criticisms around, you need to throw it around at everybody, right? Because Klopp doesn't have a draw factor. Liverpool last year weren't particularly uh, in good nick, but then again, neither were Chelsea. Do people want to play for Pochettino rather than Klopp? Does Liverpool and its achievements and the way that it play not necessarily suit certain players? Because we know that certain players that play for Jurgen Klopp um, find it difficult to play at the levels he wants them to play at and we know that Liverpool are rebuilding I just think it's a it's it's a fact of the ecosystem now there are lots of other people that have just as much lure as Liverpool and you're going to have to be very quick very early very prepared the, the Moises Casado debate was, was had yesterday by us suggesting that Chelsea had a that stole a march 
on Liverpool by getting into the player early in the same way that Liverpool stole a march on Lucas Diaz when Tottenham tried to get their noses in the trough this time last year or a little bit earlier than that and Liverpool used their lustre to say no, 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 I don't think so, you're coming to us. Right. And I don't think it's fair to say it's a mess. You've signed a World Cup winner. You know, I, I know that these things get thrown around because it creates... Uh, attention and eyes on the prize and, and, and we do similar things but I would like to understand what you would have them do differently well they've, they've known for a while that Henderson's gone to Saudi that's J- yeah, Jimmy's but, point is that the biggest problem about Liverpool is that they've known they needed midfield reinforcement since about August last season fine Jamie 12 who, months who, ago who were the five candidates that you would advocate for in the advent that you can't get the player that, that they've tried for they've tried to go for Moises Casado they can't get him they've tried to go for Latvia they can't get him now my understanding of it was that Chelsea want both but Liverpool wanted one or the other Right? And they've got neither. Right? And you have to ask yourself why that is. Because the economies of the scale of the deal, Liverpool have come to the table. Yeah, but Liverpool had three bids for Lavia turned down. Well, well, you know, sometimes you don't go out with a girl and get a kiss on the first date or something else. Sometimes you have to go out on several dates. Yeah, but and Liverpool wanted, wanted, wanted a bid. Boom, 115. That'll do it, and it did. Uh, who? Um, Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea. Well, yeah, and so did Liverpool. In terms of Casido, that Liverpool Liverpool went in and were aggressive and put their price at a certain parameter, a ridiculous price, I might add, and the beneficiaries of that were Brighton. But that's good luck to Brighton. But the point is, isn't great that they're getting the bigger clubs to have to pay for things. If you want to pillage other people's football clubs and other people's endeavours, at least pay for it, and that's yeah. great. I like that. Yeah. But the point is, is that is that the boy was well, the, the, the Liverpool thought that they would have the lure to be able to get into their equation late. Everybody yeah. in football knows that this boy was being courted by Chelsea for some time. So they've stolen a march. Now, whether the agents are being manipulated, whether there's something more in it for the agents that are helping the player, or whether it is entirely a football decision, whether it's a geographical decision, there's some things that you that are immutable. If someone doesn't want to live in the north of England and wants to stay in the south, then you're not going to be able to overcome that, especially if you're a club that's got comparable wealth, comparable achievements, comparable positioning. Chelsea ain't Liverpool. Chelsea are not Liverpool and neither are Man City. That Liverpool and Man United are, are legacy clubs. These other clubs like Chelsea and Man City are building up their achievements to be ranked at the table with the royalty, royalty of football. But that was notwithstanding. Players don't look at it that way now. They don't remember Graham Sunez. They don't remember Alan Hansen. They don't remember the dominance of Liverpool in the 70s and 80s. They look around the, 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 the landscape of the Premier League and go... Where suits me best economically? Where suits me best geographically? Who suits me best management-wise? And what suits my pocket best? And if Liverpool somehow don't tick all those four boxes, then Liverpool's history is off the table. Off and, the table. And, and Jamie can park at the no, moon. No longer applicable. Well, it's, it's, enough of a, it's enough of them to be on the table to have a conversation. It's not enough of them to close the deal. So for Caicedo and Lavia, obviously... Chelsea were the more alluring prospect, and we and, and interestingly, it would be and we'll never know this. But what were the parameters? Maybe some you know mild mannered janitor of a journalist will ask him a question, and I get the answer from him about the reality of why I chose Chelsea over Liverpool. They will, of course, they will. Uh, there's one from Big Kenneth. Caicedo and Lavia obviously had agreed Chelsea some time ago. They, my point, on, isn't it? they honoured their word. They they were always going to say no to Liverpool. And uh, Big Kenneth seems uh, well informed. I wonder what little Kenneth thinks. Well, that make, that Come make, on, lads, you're better than this. <laughs> that makes Jamie. Then, then you go to Jamie's point about the lack of preparedness. Yeah. To uh, to to accept the fact that you need more uh, uh, you need more replacements alongside the ones you're going for because you're already in a slightly invidious position that you're you're pitching a woo to somebody that's already been, you know. Um, pitched a woo too and so with that in mind I think Liverpool I think the criticism is unnecessary I don't think it's necessary I think what they're, what they're talking about is the fact that Jamie lives in a land where Liverpool you, the moment you mention Liverpool's name it's a done deal 
But that world doesn't exist anymore. That, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you'd have closed your eyes ten years ago and put Liverpool and Man City in the same conversation, most players would have chosen Liverpool over Manchester City. But that world has changed now. Yeah, you've, got, you. you've got elite coaches, enormous yeah. money, enormous achievements. I know what you're saying. So the idea of oh, the history of Kevin Keegan, John Tossack, David Fairclough, Super Sub coming on, all these things that have been done, they're for the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems that way because Caicedo and Lavia have both said, yes, thanks. To Chelsea, the lure of Liverpool. Is it diminished somewhat? Seems that way. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Yesterday, Simon, you put it into layman's terms for people like me and many of the listeners out there. Chelsea edging towards a £1 billion spend. The big question was... How are they doing it? Mm. Now, you told us how they were yeah. doing it. G- g- give us up that. Uh, yeah, uh, in, the most, in the most basic terms, alongside other parts of accountancy principles that they're able to deploy that are unique over the last two or three seasons, they are, they are using the ability to uh, spread the, uh, the value of a player's contract over a longer period of time, thus reducing the cost implications of a transfer fee year on year. And they're also selling players that they've got that are carrying huge or significant values to Chelsea um, to their profit and loss. So if they sell Connor, if they sell um, a kid Mason Mount, yeah, they sell him for sixty million pounds. He's an academy kid. He's valued on their balance sheet at nothing. So when they sell him for sixty million pounds, it goes straight to their P and L. And when they're buying a player for a hundred million pounds and they put him on an eight-year contract, they can depreciate that player rather than what t- people typically do, which is four or five-year deals, depreciate him at twenty million pounds a year. Their players are depreciating at twelve million pounds a year. So my debate about Chelsea is. In part, they are managing this enormous expend, expenditure through uh, the, the, the valuing of their players over longer terms and the disposal of players they've already got on their balance sheet that hold high profit values to them. I see. That's not the only thing they're doing, No, but those are significant parts of it. That, in essence, is how they go about their yeah. business. Now, TalkSport very confidently clipped that up yesterday, and I've seen that several million people have watched that. Um, you can have a different view on it. You can have a different take on it. Stefan Borson is a football finance expert. He's a former advisor to Manchester City, and Stefan joins us live. Stefan, good morning to you. What's your take on what Simon thinks of how Chelsea are doing their business? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, the principle that Simon um, has described are clearly uh, correct in terms of the accounting and the spreading of transfer fees over um, the lifetime of those contracts. Uh, uh, nobody would deny that. But it, but it's a bit more complicated than that in respect to Chelsea because you're talking about a club that's never made a profit in 20 years. Okay, So they have historically operated at a loss and filled that gap by selling footballers. Then what's happened is uh, Todd Bowley's come along. And and I I just want to say very clearly, Bowley knows exactly what he's doing. Nobody would deny the quality of his team, of the individual, um, of of his wealth and success. It's just no, no question. And nothing that any of us can say on the outside they haven't thought about. And that's why I suggest and, and posit that actually this is all part of a strategy. And it's a strategy a strategy to deliberately uh, ignore um, the Premier League financial fair play rules, uh, the, the profitability and sustainability rules, in order to accelerate the success of Chelsea Football Club. And that comes partly because in the background, 
we all know Bowley, for all his uh, uh, business success and wealth, has overpaid for Chelsea by a, a very considerable amount. Uh, it happens. You know, uh, Elon Musk has overpaid for Twitter by a very considerable amount. Wealthy people sometimes make mistakes. And he's made a mistake in terms of what he's paid for the club. He now wants to accelerate the success of the club. Since he's purchased it, everything has gone wrong. He's picked the wrong managers. He's overpaid for those managers. On the pitch, they failed. The shirt sponsor is empty. He's got no sleeve sponsor. He's got no European football at all. So he's not just not got a Champions League, which is worth £100 million per season. He's got nothing. So he doesn't even have the the, the Europa games to fill the stadium for five, six, seven, eight match days, which would be worth maybe £2 million a day. So everything's gone wrong. On top of that, so, so at that point, any sensible operator that's concerned about financial fair play slams the brakes on in terms of spending. And they say, we are now going to go into a period where we are going to be very careful because we have uh, 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 sh- uh, strong, st- stringent rules and we need to take care. Instead, they've accelerated the acquisitions. So... Those what, what does that tell you, Stefan, that they're doing by accelerating it? What does that tell you about Chelsea's and Bully's strategy? It, it, it tells you that they are not having any regard for the financial for, for, for financial fair play, the profit and sustainability rules. Now, where Simon went wrong yesterday is he he com, he combined two accounting periods um in terms of the the accounting period for the the season just gone 22-23 and the season that we're currently in and what chelsea have done is they've they've invested a huge amount over not just those two periods but also the period before and actually i think they've invested a hell of a lot more than we even know about so if you were to do the numbers on the players that they signed for example last summer you'd probably think they spent about 250 million quid. But if you go in their accounts, it tells you what they've spent. And it actually says Chelsea spent 370 million pounds, including sacking Tuchel and Harry Potter. Now, if it was 370 and 30 million of that was, let's say, Tuchel and Harry Potter, that means they spent 340 million pounds, not 250. And those players were only Fafana, Cucurella, Sterling, Koulibaly, Chukawemenka, uh, Casade, uh, Slolina, and Obermang. So they've massively spent more than even we think. You then have to amortize not over eight years, because some of the players are on eight years, but most of them actually are not on eight years. And probably the average amortization is about six and a half years. And actually, that makes quite a material difference. When the number, let's say, is not 900 million or 800 million, as Simon said yesterday. Let's say it's a billion. And let's say it's not amortized over eight years. It's amortized over six and a half years, or maybe even six on average, because some of the players are signed on two-year contracts or three-year contracts. Uh, uh, See, I agree with all this, Stefan. I, I, I agree with all this. And the only reason I said 800 okay, million... Okay, well, let me tell I, you where I, I'm going. I, I, I said 800 million because I didn't include the Casado transfer, which has yet to happen. And, and where we differ okay. is about Chelsea's ability. If you look at what I actually said was, is that they will be able to continue with this particular passage of activity for a short period of time unless they're going to be able to sell players repeatedly and endlessly to be able to bridge the gap in the losses that they've got. Now, if you look at their accounts and you, and you detail what they've, what they've 
done over the last three years, and you all know this as well as I do, that in 1921 they made £32 million profit. And you made an observation earlier on that football clubs um, tend to make profits only by selling players. There's a very few exceptions of football clubs that don't make profits when they're not selling players. Arsenal did it for a period of time and then they lost their way and they propped up their profit and loss by selling players. But let's go to the observation about if Chelsea can stand this in this year's financial uh, fair play observations. They made 32 million quid in 1920. They lost 153 million in 2021. Now, you know those are COVID years and you know that the net effect of that is those two years get amalgamated. You get a net profitability, which is 120 million. You divide that by two to get a 60 million loss. You add that to the 122 million pound loss they've got in 21-22. They've got losses of 180 million. But they've also got 100 million worth of, uh, probably more, worth of allowable adjustments in there for lost revenues in the 2021 season and 21-22 season. They've also got another 50 million pounds of a cost in there for payments out to Bruce Buck and Marina, which are again allowable adjustments. And they've also got about 40 million worth of infrastructure costs in there for the youth development. So you're now sitting at a position at the end of 21-22 and before we get to the 23 year, which isn't filed yet, where they probably got a net position of maybe 10 million worth of losses. So they've got about 95 million pounds worth of headroom surrounding the 105 million that they lost. And I think they're going to have the bandwidth to be able to get through that, but not for long, which is what I said yesterday, in about a year, 18 months' time. If they're not able to flog Conor Gallagher and bank a £60 million profit there and a few others, they're going to run short of this. That was my point. Stephen, Simon has said uh, previously that uh, heavy hitters, if you like, like Todd Bowley and Chelsea, are actually pricing in the consequences of FFP to their business plan. In other words, they'll take the hit if the hit comes along. Do you go with that? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, and, I, and I think uh, we're not really far apart, Simon. And we're I, not, are we? On the, no. on the, sort of the, yeah. the overall consequences. I think where we're far apart is, I think 2023, 20, so the, the period that's just gone, is a problem for them. So it's going to come home potentially to roost. Maybe they got away with it in 2023. I, because I, I, I agree numbers, with you. I think it's on the margin. Down. I agree with you. Yeah. 2024, this this current season is where it's really going to hit. And I think it's going to hit very hard. And I don't think, even if they sold basically every player that they haven't bought in the last two years, that they could make um, that they could make it under... under so what would you be projecting, Stefan? If you, it, you, We already know they've got um, Mason Mount to go into 23-24 as a 16 million straight charge to profit or Correct. add to profit. So what would you be projecting yeah. are the kind of losses then that Chelsea are going to look at in 23-24? Well, I, I think they're going to lose broadly the same in 22-23. I think they lost about £200 million before player sales at the operating line. And I think they're going to lose about the same in, in 24, because we can model uh, 23 relatively accurately. 24 is a bit more difficult, but they've got very few match days. So we know that it's probably not going to be more than £50 million match day. They've got no European TV. So we know that they, there's only a domestic deal. And even if they finish top of the table, they're only going to get 175. Mm-hmm. So that's 225. And then what are they getting commercially? Maybe another 175. Uh, if they're lucky, they've got no shirt sponsor right now. And the people that are linked to the shirt sponsor at the moment to me don't seem to have the money to pay for the deal. So I think they, they're going to struggle to do more than 400 revenue 
for for uh, for the year ending. Are you in the camp? Now, are you do, in the camp, Stefan? That they've done a lot of deals. People are seeing these big heavyweight transfers, 105 million for Fernandez, but the wages are not falling behind. So they've taken a lot of wages out. They've taken people like Aubameyang out. They've had big wages and chunky wages, and that you're going to see this next generation of Chelsea players that have been signed for top end money and far too much money. Uh, the boy from Ukraine, far too much money from Shakhtar Donetsk, but the wages that are following behind it are a lot less. Yeah, I think it's unusual, but you, Simon, of all people, would know the market is the market. It you're is. not telling me that you're not telling me that, that, that they've signed two 100 million pound midfielders in competitive situations and they're paying them any less than they would get anywhere else. I just don't buy it. You know, if you're a footballer, if you're Cassiedo, the fee, the, the 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 wages that he's being offered by Chelsea must be commensurate with the wages that were offered by Liverpool. I just oh, no, I hear that. that. I'm, I'm, I'm flowing through on the basis of intelligence that I've been given about Chelsea's strategy, which is that they've got some heavy-hitting wages in there that are legacy yeah. wages that are being replaced. Yeah. I'm not suggesting these guys are coming in that are, are going to be impoverished, and I understand the economics of the market forces. But the bottom line I've understood is that the wages that are coming going off the balance sheet and off their cost base are, are being replaced by wages that are far less. Now, going to your sentiment, yeah. we're in the same space, right? We agree with the accountancy values of where Chelsea are, which is the ability to divide the 2019, 20 and 21, two, uh, 2021 season in half and get yourself a 60 million loss, then add it to the 120, then allow the allowable adjustments back in there for the loss of ticket revenues in two seasons and the fact that there's been unique exceptional items like Bruce Buck and Marina getting paid a load of money on the way up from well, the sale. Well, uh, on those, I'm not sure about those ones. I, mean, I, I don't. I think those are ordinary course expenses. There may be some that are I think that I think they're allowable adjustments under the Premier League rules. Course. I think they're allowable adjustments under okay, Premier well, League rules. I'll, I'll have a look at that. I Stephen, mean, time, time's, moving, Stephen, time's moving along, and I'll put this to the two of you. Uh, Do you yeah. think, further down the line, Bully and Chelsea will meet financial fair play requirements? He doesn't know. <laughs> Do you, Stephen? Well, well I, 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 I think they're deliberately failing. And I, I, just to answer your question that you answered. Well, why are they the deliberately failing? Because it's a cost of doing business. If you they come from an environment like Silicon Valley, Uber, for example, incredibly disruptive. They they had a fallout with every single city that they went into. They lost thirty one billion dollars in building the business. It was a cost of growth, and that's what, in my opinion, Bowley is up to right now. I think the one potential misjudgment that they make is that the Premier League clubs that are up against them are going to fight very hard for it to be more than just token fines of 10, 20 million pounds, which is an easy cost of business. They're going to push very hard for point deductions. If you have a look at the latest Premier League rules in Appendix 1, there is a whole series of um, requirements for what happens now in the the event of a P&S breach. And it talks specifically about point deductions and it talks about accelerating the process around uh, the 1st of June, such that it can affect the season that's just gone. And so I think Chelsea are are potentially going to be surprised. And I think there is a movement around. And we know what these clubs are like. They're very, very competitive. And they are going to cause a stink here. And it is part of a strategy, but it may be a misjudgment. And we haven't even talked about Europe because they're not in Europe. But the European rules are going to be even harder for them to meet. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.